Good evening, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Joe and Joe Weather Show. A late start, an 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time start after a two-day hiatus. The Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by the folks at Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. Each day that goes by brings us one day closer to the first accumulating snow event of the year. And uh, there is plenty of rock salt there. Uh, it's hard to find and prices are high, but Omni has the lowest prices in town on rock salt, Pelado, mag ice pellets and flakes and any of the great snow melting products that are out there, plus much more uh, for your wintertime arsenal. They're at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125, and the website omnitruevalue.com. Wholesale holiday lighting by Giannini. We're getting one day closer to the holidays here. Your complete holiday lighting specialist meeting all your decorating needs. Uh, you might want a Santa countdown clock or Santa himself on your front lawn, the Three snowmen standing on each other's shoulders, and of course, the elf on a shelf. And you can get all of this and more, whether you want your home decorated, or maybe you have this as a business, and you're decorating other people's homes and you need stuff, uh, let them know. They're at 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, and their telephone number is 631-957-5106, and the website is liholidaylighting.com. Hello there. <clears throat> you sound you Hello. sound you sound how like I feel right now. <clears throat> I do. Well, I'm a I, little. I, you know, I'm just a smidge run down. I've I've been talking for the last hour and a half. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Um. Uh, now, so anyway, just to sort of explain, I had to take the last two days off because I had to drive to Mississippi. My mom, my mom, who is 87, uh, had to get a uh, pacemaker about three years ago. She decided to get do it now. <laughs> so, um, she, so I went there. It's a, it's amazing. It's a one hour procedure. You're basically in and out. Uh, they, they, it's the only in, invasive thing they do is that they go through your arm. It's just really. In, and the pacemaker is very, very small, very, very tiny. And they put it in there, and uh, they monitor you remotely on your phone, so you can see what you know what your heart is doing. So uh, it's. Uh, oh, is there anything? Is there <clears throat> anything in this world left that we don't monitor on our phones? <laughs> no, there really isn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Um, but yeah, they know everything you're doing, everyone you're talking to, everything you're buying, everything you're selling, everything you're wearing or not wearing, depending on you know your position, your position in life. Um, but anyhow, uh, that's where I was. My mom is fine. In fact, she's. Uh, it was the best thing that they could have done. So uh, it's all good. So let's start off the night, Joe. The chairman, Scott Briller. Because tonight is Joe and Joe Appreciation Day, so he just he he has banged super chat. Uh, so has Johnny Quest. Thank you both for the kind words. Um, it's nice to hear people say what they you know the things they say. I, it's hard to repeat them. I don't want to sound you know 
self-centered and conceited. And Paul Roman appreciates us too. Uh, also um, hitting super chat tonight. So thank you, gentlemen, very much. Most appreciated uh, on this Joe and Joe Appreciation Day. So you beat me to the twenties, Joe. You beat me to the twenties. What do you mean? Well, you're low this morning. Oh, oh, my. Well, my low, my low here in Putnam Valley was 30 degrees. We did not get to the 20. However, I did tell my, now you see, my wife has, Renata has on our driveway, five or six, they look like palm trees, but they're called spike plants. Right. In these humongous, in these humongous um, vases or whatever, containers. And yesterday afternoon, I had to take our hand truck and put put it underneath each one roll it into we have a two-car garage and one side of our garage now has all of these spike plants i had to roll my car out my car had to spend my poor suv had to spend the night in the freezing cold last night oh poor thing warm drum and and we had also bring in the hibiscus plant last night as well not the hibiscus not the hibiscus not the hibiscus (laughs) and i said to I said to my, I said to her not, I said, you know, it looks like we're going to have to live with this for a few days because it looks like it's going to be cold, even colder perhaps tonight, tomorrow night, and on Saturday night right. before we, we get into a nice warming trend next week. But these next three nights are going to be El Frigito. <laughs> yeah, the days, the days may actually see the temperatures rebound a little bit. Um in, in the in the next few days, probably you know get back into the fifties and, and and maybe even um, push it to the the middle and upper fifties on Sunday, depending on cloud cover. But yeah, with clear skies and light winds, I mean you just really have ideal radiational cooling conditions. Uh, it looks like, except for the warmest urban areas, uh, everybody pretty much got uh, down uh, cold enough to produce a frost and. Most places got below 32, and a lot of places this morning away from the coast were down uh, in the 20s. So the only thing that 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 puts um, uh, it might might put a lid on how low temperatures get would be cloud cover, uh, and uh, there are high clouds around tonight from this first wave that's going by. Um, by the way, we should point out too for the folks along the southeast coast of the U.S. Uh, with uh, these waves coming out, and with the way the high is going to be oriented, uh, they're going to get a. They're going to have a. An, well, they already they already have it, uh, but it's going to be persistent right through the weekend. Uh, a rather significant onshore flow, and there will be coastal flooding going on probably in the coastal Carolinas and down to coastal Georgia uh, over the next several days. In fact, they already have coastal flood advisories up. Uh, and even coastal flood watches up there. Uh, so uh, the coastal flooding could wind up being a, an issue here. Are, are we going into a new moon soon? Is it this week? Today was new moon. Ah. Today was new moon. So we got peak tides fact, this weekend, correct? Correct. In fact, the moon was very close. It's uh, near perigee. So it is, uh, as you imagine, we, we always have at full and new moon astronomically higher than normal tides, but this is more uh, potent or more robust because the moon is rather close. In fact, you know, they make a big deal, they being the mainstream media, when the moon is at full phase and when it's at 
its closest point, perigee. They call it the super moon. My question is, what do you call the moon when it's a new phase? You can't see a new moon because it's in alignment with the sun, more right. or less. You can't see it, but yet it's just as close now as it was during those super moons that we've had in the past. And even though you can't see it, as you mentioned, Joe, over the next few days, you're going to see the effects of that uh, in terms of much higher than normal tides along uh, coastal locations, especially near to those uh, offshore storm systems down in the Carolinas, for example. Yeah, uh, just a, a, a notation here. Uh, Jason Schaefer, thank you, Jason, uh, for hitting Super Chat tonight, wishing us a happy anniversary on Joe and Joe Appreciation Day. And uh, William Uber, who's been with us from day one, by the way, uh, and also hitting Super Chat tonight. Thank you, and, and thanks, everybody, that that uh, have uh, have hit the tip jar. It, it's um, It's really nice. And you know what? It does help to pay the rent. So <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. We don't have to sell ourselves out, out in the streets because then, then for sure we've both starved to death. Actually, we're, we're about nine days away from the uh, day when in 2019. I knew, uh, I knew, you, careers, I, I knew you were going to say this. Go on. Our TV careers came to a, came to a, a crashing end. Um, and actually... To tell you the truth, it was supposed to be November 15th, Friday the 15th of November, but our dear friends over at um, Altice, um, they, they, I think, uh, were the ones who were responsible for coercing or convincing Verizon to drop uh, Fios One News and to take on News 12. And by doing that, once that uh, was done, they said to uh, Verizon, well, now that you have News 12, there's no reason for you to have um, uh, Verizon Fios News, right? And Verizon said, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, we don't need to have two <laughs> news news reports. Well, they don't. News channels. They really don't. Yeah, so so uh, I guess we'll get rid of uh, what they should have said was, I guess we'll get rid of News 12. But no, they said, yeah, I guess we'll get rid of new, uh, Fios 1, which they did. But during that week, this, I'm going to show you how TV uh, corporate people work. The, that week, our final week, November they 11th work? through the 15th, through the 15th, how they don't work. This, but this is how they, the game that they play. November 11th through the 15th, it was supposed to be on Optimum, the Altice channel, formerly Cablevision. Um, you, you, of course, have News 12. But on Verizon, you also had News 12. And where we worked, Verizon Fios One News. And we were supposed to end our run at the end of that week, November 15th, Friday. On November the 12th, Tuesday, we were all called into a meeting and said, uh, tomorrow's our last day. I said, wait a minute. We were supposed to be ending our, our stretch on Friday. And they said, well, they, they, they're not happy. They're, I guess, being Altice or maybe Verizon. They were afraid. both. Right, they both were... of us, both of us on the, both of us on the on a, the same uh, provider right. at the same time. So they more or less eliminated us two days early. Well, they, so we left. They were afraid we were going to say something on the air. <laughs> what were we going to say, Joe? Of course, nothing. We, we obviously couldn't. We couldn't say. You know, when I left News Twelve, <clears throat> true story. When I left News Twelve, uh, this was on December twenty third. 
of uh, 2000, <clears throat> 2016. My last day, I was called into the office of the assistant news director, sits me down and says, I presume you're going to say goodbye tonight to your viewers, your News 12 viewers. And I said, yes, I'd like to do that. He said, I need to see your, your, what you plan to say in advance so that I can look at it and clear it. And I said, well, why? He said, I want to make sure that you don't tell anybody where you're going. Because I was immediately after that, I was going the following week to Verizon Fios 1, News 12's competitor. Right. And, and I was not allowed to say that on the air. I was allowed to say goodbye. And it's been lots of fun for 21 years. And I wish all of you well. But I was not supposed to say and you can see me starting next week. Right. Well, I can kind of, I can kind of understand that. But Joe, but Joe, it was my last day. If I had said that I'm going to FiOS One News, what were they going to do to me? Fire me? Well, of course, of course. I know. They couldn't do a damn thing. But I played it. I played it. Oh, I know, because you're a, you're a class act, and and yeah, I get it. I get it. Frank Riccio. Uh, hitting super chat tonight. Thank you, uh, Frank and uh, Michael McGuire. Hitting super chat, uh, most uh, most appreciated from both of you. Uh, very, you're all very kind. Uh, we love doing the show, wanted, and you are all very kind. You're all very kind. Thank you. I want to thank everybody on the chat board, especially those who have hit super chats. I did see a couple of people though saying, "Sorry, I don't have anything to contribute, but I still love the show." We love you too. I mean, it, you yeah. don't have to. We're not. We're not here uh, holding out a, a cup and hold, you know with sunglasses and, 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 and pencils in the cup. We, we don't do that for this. We're not like, doing this for money. You mean it's like nice this? to get it. I don't have any pencils. I got pens somewhere. Here. Alms here. for the poor. Alms yeah. for the poor. Alms for the poor. Yeah. yeah. We're not selling apples. <laughs> We're doing this because we love weather. We love talking about it. We still get charged up about weather and and a lot of other things, um, you know, and, and we want to share it. And since we're not allowed anymore to share it with people who watch TV, because we were told, you know, among other things, you're too old. You're too old. You can't do this anymore. We want, you know, youth be served. You know, Joe, my favorite episode of The Twilight Zone, how many of you out there are Twilight Zone fans. How many of you, I'm sure everybody has seen at least one episode of Twilight Zone. The episode that I love the most and one which in recent years I can empathize with is the episode Changing of the Guard where there's a, a, a teacher at a Vermont school. He's, he's taught the sons, the grandsons, even the great-grandsons, uh, grandchildren, of, of, of his original students going back into the early part of the 20th century. And now after all of those years of teaching and doing what he loves, he's called into the headmaster's office and told, um, you gotta go, it's time for you to go. Even though he was still no different in teaching and probably even better than he was you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, he was being told, it's time for you to go. We're not renewing your contract. And he feels lousy as he would obviously because he wanted to keep going and he goes home and he's going to he's actually going to try to kill himself but then he decides he's going to go one last time to his beloved schoolroom and he goes into the schoolroom and all of a sudden the ghosts of all of his former students from 
many years ago appear to tell him how much they learned from him, how much they enjoyed him, and how much they owed to him for their lives uh, from what they learned. And it's such a I, – I almost start crying when I see that episode. And, you know, after what happened to the two of us where they said, you know, thanks but no thanks, we don't, we don't need you guys anymore. Right. We've got – that episode is, is, is a variation of the movie Goodbye, Mr. Mr. Chips, um, yeah. which um, starred Robert Donat, uh, Donat and um, Greer Garson uh, back in the late 1930s right. and then was redone in the 60s with Peter O'Toole in the part. So, yeah, say it's the right. same concept. Yeah, you know right. what? We... But it makes me feel. But it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that every night, well, most every night, and on Sunday mornings, that we have a place to go to, and we we love babbling about weather, and we don't have somebody in our ear telling us, "Wrap it up, wrap it, wrap it." Well, you, you know, Joe, the, this show was heavy. You do have what's her name upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not upstairs tonight. She's at the German club. But oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> but she gets into it too she is i don't know how many of you are aware of this but renata is a meteorologist her degree is in atmospheric science and uh, we met at a private weather office back in the uh, ninth in the early 80s and uh, after a couple of years i got enough up enough courage to ask her out and then one thing led to another and then we ended up getting married and right. here we are now so if that uh, happened I, today, you, if that happened today, you would have asked you out and you would have been in jail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna um, keep my mouth shut. You take out, take it from here. Christina Pedia, thank you for hitting super chat. Uh, most appreciated. Uh, I actually, I think I was here when you were driving back up because I saw your your posts on Discord. Um, I think I was still here when you were driving back up. Uh, it was really a fast trip. I mean, I we I I went on Tuesday uh, and came back last night. Uh, so it, it was it was very it was literally an overnight, and I think that's why right. it's all actually from here to where my sister is in Tupelo uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi. It's six hours from my house. Uh, I stopped at my daughter's. My brother picked me up, so from my daughter's house, uh, it's four hours, and. Then we drove back. My brother drove back last night. We ate, stopped and ate at Cracker Barrel. Oh, oh, that reminds me. Oh, my God. I am so outraged, so incredibly outraged. I don't know, Christina Pedia, if you stopped off at Cracker Barrel on your drive. So uh, Cracker Barrel, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's – it's it's what it, 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 it it's a American style country you know type of food country food and it's fine you know it's it's and to me I, I'd rather eat there than go to McDonald's or God if I went to Arby's again after what it did to my stomach on Tuesday but we'll been there many times we'll discuss that another time so uh, usually around the holidays uh, they have their pies and you can buy. A whole pie and when i walked in i you know they were all decorated for christmas and thanksgiving and i thought you know what i should pick up an apple pie well uh, i go to where the pies are and they had a chocolate fudge uh, a chocolate pecan pie which was great i love 
of I've, I've had variations of chocolate pecan pie, include, including Kentucky bluegrass pie, which is it's chocolate pecan pie with bourbon in it, and it's delicious. Uh, and they had that without the bourbon. But uh, instead of an apple pie, they had a, an apple um, um, an apple strudel pie. Wow. So, so I asked, and they said, I asked about it. I said, you know, I just want to get a plain, not the, the apple strudel pie was fine. But I, I asked at the counter, and they said they discontinued the apple pie. And they went over to this apple strudel pie. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is Cracker Barrel. The, the, their apple pies are, are, are great. Um, the crusts are so buttery. I mean, I can eat just the crust. And the, you know, forget the apples. I just eat the crust. I, I, I'm okay. So, like, if, if the corporate people at Cracker Barrel are hearing me uh, watching this show, which we know they are, they're glued to their, you know, their telephones right now. Um, I just want you to know that I love your apple pie. Bring it back. So apparently, if you find a Cracker Barrel that there are some Cracker Barrels that still have the apple pies, but once they run out, they're not getting any more. So if you happen to stumble on it in a to a, in a Cracker Barrel, uh, and they have the apple pie there, the plain apple pie, grab it because they won't have it anymore. So I, like I said, it was very, very, I was very disappointed. I really was. Frank Riccio hitting super chat tonight. I don't know if I said this already, but if I did, I'll say it again. Frank Riccio hitting super chat tonight, and Michael McGuire. I that's right. I did say uh, Frank and Michael and Christina Pedia. Uh, and also Joe's Weather Channel, which is not me. It's another Joe that watches, and he goes by Joe's Weather Channel. Uh, and um, it's been two years. Since, no, it's been more than two years. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you've enjoyed every second of it. And uh, uh, God willing, uh, God willing, it'll be many more years until that we'll do this unless one of us crumbles apart, you know, at some point along the way. By the way, um, Ig Snay on the Amcray, okay? Uh, Inata Ray is, is, is back. It's back, is back, just so you know. How would you do Rayo in pig, pig, pig Latin? It's A-O Ray. Wait a minute. She's watching. I can't hear you. <laughs> Hello, upstairs. Are you listening to me? I can't hear. You. I'm doing Sergeant Carter. Oh. Well, you know what? She's her 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 attention is being. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't he? I was gonna say. <gasps> her attention. Isn't I, I he dreaming? Our daughter is here tonight. So oh. when my daughter is here, she's got somebody to talk to upstairs. But she's she's talking to my daughter and watching Joe and Joe. So what else can I say about that? Renata, Renata, I don't know what an apple I mean, it's an apple it looks like an apple it actually looks like a Dutch apple pie and, and it's got I don't know, it looks like it's got like some sort of caramel the way they have it on there and I mean, it was good. I tasted some. Also, I had some pecans in it too, which was nice. I mean, it, it was good, and I'm not make you know. I don't want to make it sound like it's terrible. No, it's 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 good pie. But I I just for me, I just love a plain apple pie. Okay, that's made with different kinds of apples, 
no sugar on top, okay? There's no, you know, whatever's in the recipe that goes into the pie is one thing, but I won't buy store-bought apple pies because if you hold them up to the light, you can see the sugar crystals that they put up on the top. And that's just wrong. That, that's, that's just wrong. Uh, and I, I won't buy a, a store-bought store apple pie. I want to taste the apples on the inside. So anyway, that's, that's, that's enough of my theory of cooking um, cooking apple pies. Let's look at the satellite, shall we? So do, do a little bit of weather here tonight. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, you know, people who have been on now for 25 minutes and they're saying, why don't they talk about something like weather, which is what this channel is about? But quite frankly, folks, there ain't much to talk about in terms of weather, other than mentioning that, you know, in here in the Northeast, that we're going to probably miss out on a lot of activity that stays just off our shorelines. But yeah, let's take a look at the. Uh, the uh, satellite picture, Mr. Well, Mr. We, got, uh, we got one wave already going by, and you can already see the uh, energy-producing clouds across the Gulf states from wave number two. And if you just sort of follow the clouds along, uh, those two waves are going to pass by uh, to the south and east. So as each when they when each one goes by, uh, you wind up pushing up some high clouds, which is what we have on the satellite this evening. Uh, you was. Uh, See the high clouds have pushed up uh, up into northern New England, in fact. Uh, but uh, there's no, the precip is not getting here. The precip's in the brighter white clouds that are offshore. And then there's the second wave. Now, if you look at the outline of the clouds, you, you kind of see what I was talking about in terms of the onshore flow. There's going to be a high parked in Pennsylvania. These waves are going to go out right underneath the high uh, and you're going to have the ocean basically being funneled down the coast from the coastal Carolinas right down uh, into that bend from South Carolina, Georgia, and into northern Florida. And I mean, this onshore flow actually started, uh, got underway yesterday in that in that area, and uh, it's going to be there today, tomorrow, Saturday, and into Sunday. And of course, as you mentioned, Joe, we got the new moon, so the peak tides will probably be what Friday, Saturday. More than likely, usually it's like a day. Well, yeah, usually about a day or two after. So Friday and Saturday, yeah, we'll probably be seeing the highest tide because the tide, the tides lag behind the moon by about a day or two, depending upon the topography of where you happen to be living. Right, wherever you happen to be. So. Now, now the the cool high is moderating, but uh, the nights are, of course, getting longer, and we're going to have, a, a, unless the high clouds don't get out of the way in time, but these should. I mean, they'll probably be gone a, a little after midnight, so skies will clear out, uh, and then you're going to see the temperatures, and where they have already gone clear, temperatures are going to be dropping. And then uh, the only issue that I had for the weekend, Joe, is the fact that the second wave moves up the coast on Sunday, and uh, that probably means that we might probably we might see high clouds from from that system on Sunday. I don't think we're going to see any rain uh, from this from either system. Uh, definitely not the first one. Def I, I really think we won't see anything from the second one. And it's quite possible that we may have to wait till the end of next week before we get another drop of rain around here. Absolutely. In fact. Uh... <clears throat> Regarding my uh, my uh, wife's spike plants, which are residing now in the garage, um, I'm I'm strongly urging that we keep them there at least through um, Saturday night. Sunday we'll probably see temperatures still in the 30s Sunday night, but I think mid to upper 30s. And then come Monday, and right on through uh, much if not all of next week, 
low to mid 40s by night. And during the day, hey, low to mid 60s, 60, 62, dare I say maybe 65, which is pretty darn good for the uh, middle part. My goodness, we're already heading for the middle of November. Where is this month going? Jim? Yeah, we'll warm up a little. We'll warm up a little bit, but it's not going to get crazy warm. It's not like we're getting a full-blown ridge building all the way up the east coast of the oh, southern no. Canada. This is just going to be, you know, we're going to go a little bit above average uh, to compensate a bit for the below average temperatures that we have now. On the radar tonight, there's actually precip aloft uh, offshore. Uh, nothing's touching the coastline. It's just east of the Jersey coast, south of Long Island. Uh, a couple of showers also close to uh, uh, the coast of the southern part of the Delmarva Peninsula. But those are moving on out. And then down in the Gulf of Mexico, you've got uh, some showers and even uh, some thunderstorms uh, off the coast of uh, the west coast of Florida from Tampa down to uh, about Port, uh, Port Charlotte and Point Southward. Those are moving northeastward. And that's going to be uh, the second wave that is uh, going to come up. Now, SPC, no organized severe weather today or Saturday or Sunday into next week, uh, but there is a marginal risk of severe weather for tomorrow uh, in the state of Florida, mostly in the southern half of the, uh, of the peninsula uh, down to the Keys, because uh, they're gonna have a low that's gonna go by to their north. So that area is gonna be in the warm sector. So would not be a shocker if you wind up seeing a couple of uh, severe thunderstorms pop up in that zone. And WPC, Joe, the seven-day rainfall forecast um, from just about to me. I mean, this is a pretty, you know, it, it, you don't see this too often in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic states, but uh, much of Maine, uh, and then going down the Appalachians into Northeast Georgia, and then coming up uh, to... Uh, Eastern North Carolina, and then up the entire coastway all the way up into Maine. No precip being forecast for the next seven days. There's coastal precip uh, in North Carolina and South Carolina, mainly on the order of about a, an inch to an inch and a half at most, two right along the immediate coast. And then you can see some heavy precip there coming into North Florida, Northeast Florida of uh, several inches. Uh, again, the bigger story here, I think, is going to be the onshore flow and the high, higher than normal tides uh, and the coastal flooding that will likely occur. It could be significant in some places. And you also see some rainfall in the middle Mississippi Valley up uh, to the lower lakes on the order of three quarters of an inch to about an inch, inch and a half. And the northern Rockies, uh, a lot of precip there. Some of that's going to be snow. And in the Pacific Northwest, uh, in fact, again, draw draw a line pretty much from uh, San Francisco to Reno, and from there northward is where your rain is, and it's going to be particularly heavy in coastal Oregon and Washington State, uh, several to many inches over the next seven days. They seem to be getting, uh, you know, it, it, it seems like it's been raining. It's actually been raining there for the better part of the last, what, two weeks now uh, with the way things have been going. So. Nice, uh, nice dry weather here. So the biggest issue, the biggest problem we have is trying to figure out um, cloud cover, uh, the uh, uh, teleconnections, uh, the uh, NAO is negative, gets to the neutral line. And actually, you got some members, more members seem to be going positive. Uh, but there's a lot there's there's you could see the there's a, some of them go one standard deviation, standard and a half. Uh, a deviation and a half uh, positive, and then you got a, a bunch of them that go negative. So there's a lot of there's a big spread at the end of the forecast period 
which on this map is November 16th. And on the Pacific North America index, same thing. You got a, a bit of a spread here. So the, the models are going to probably be somewhat volatile until they figure out, you know, which, um, you know, which, which, uh, which is going to be correct. Are we going to see uh, more troughing in the east uh, with more of a negative NAO or less troughing in the east in the longer term uh, with a, a neutralish NAO? And then the PNA uh, is mostly neutral to positive. In fact, they even have a couple of members starting to push up toward that one standard deviation. Up. So, I mean, the PNA suggests that there should be at least some troughing in the east uh, in the longer term. So, still got a long way to go, a lot of work to do here in terms of what's what's happening in the atmosphere. I'll bring up the uh, the upper air charts and we'll take a look at those. And hold on, let's put the uh, the height on an anomaly. We'll put the heights up there so you can see uh, lay, uh, the jet stream. And of course, you know, here's your trough in the east. And you'll notice you've got these short waves that are you know, on the southern part of that trough uh, that are creating these waves that are moving off the southeast coast. We've got this you know, general flow from the northwest coming out of northern Canada, which explains the cold, bit of ridging up through the uh, western plains and Rockies and into uh, northwest Canada, while there's a trough sitting somewhere from uh, Alaska uh, down between 140 west and 160 west out in the Pacific. At least that's how it starts off. And of course, you know, the first wave goes out and here's the second wave, that cutoff low that's over Florida. And because of the fact that the uh, there's nothing in the northern stream that's coming down and phasing with this to lift it up the coast, it gets squashed out underneath us and it gets kicked out <clears throat> pretty much to the east. And now we go into next week where we get a bit of a ridge to build in the eastern part of the United States. As that upper low pulls out, the little ridge pops up uh, only to get flattened out over time. And then by the time we get to next weekend, the, there's troughing that comes back into the eastern part of the United States. And actually, Joe, the models are showing a rather vigorous trough uh, for next weekend uh, from the western lakes uh, to the Carolinas. It's a nice-looking negatively tilted trough here uh, that, that develops. Uh, so perhaps uh, when we do finally get a precipitation event around here, uh, it could be uh, something substantial. And as we... Once that pulls out, there's still some. There's still generally troughing in the eastern part of the United States. Uh, the ridge in the west is a bit on the flattish side uh, in the longer term, but that's going to change as we go forward. But I don't see a warmish pattern here, okay? Other than the, when the ridge pops up early next week and the temperatures bounce up a little bit, I'm not seeing uh, us. I don't see us transitioning into some warmer pattern that goes on for. You know, for weeks at a time, the, the the upper air pattern still seems to be in a general mode of wanting to put troughs in the east and ridges in the west. Yeah, and don't forget that last November, last November was, I think, one of, if not the warmest November that we've had around here. And uh, this November, while it may run for for a little while, you know, above normal by uh, not not as you said, crazy warm. But, you know, uh, enough to make it pleasant out there. Uh, it certainly does not look like what we had last year where, again, it was way, way above uh, the norm for November. Now, incidentally, now that we have October behind us, 
courtesy of uh, courtesy of Rob Friedelwitz, who is a very very into uh, forensic uh, guy in terms of weather. Uh, he points out that after an unprecedented rainfall in July, August, what you were talking about, we took a major the uh, uh, the uh, the internet here went down. I came right back up, but uh, I, I think the folks missed a lot of what you said. So if you would just go over that one more time, uh, it would be most appreciated. All right. Well, as I, I was quoting uh, Rob Friedowitz, who is uh, very much into forensic meteorology of New York City uh, and of Central Park and has lots of interesting stuff. He's got a. a Oh, good lord! He calls the starry eye. Excuse me. No, I'm sorry. No, I, I was. I, it looked like we were about to get another signal hit, but it it it, it didn't happen. Go ahead, talk. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, uh, Rob points out that <clears throat> after an unprecedented rainfall in July, August, and September, each of those months had more than ten inches of rain. It looked like we had turned the corner in October. Uh, the first half of the month of October was the driest first half of October, going all the way back to October of 2000. 21 years ago, we only picked up in the first 15 days at Central Park 0.15 inches of rain. So you say to yourself, well, it looks like October is going to be a much drier month. However, everything turned around in the final days of the month, coming to abrupt end in the last week of October, 4.71 inches of rain was measured. It was, in fact, the wettest last week of October on record at Central Park, and eight of the last nine days of October had measurable rainfall. Much of the week's rain was produced by a nor'easter, you remember this one, on the 25th and 26th of October that dumped at Central Park, right. 3.69 inches of rain. So we, we, one, again, has to wonder, Joe, after such a wet summer and after suddenly a wet end of October, what does November have in store for us? Uh, you pointed out that we may be uh, seeing some interesting changes in the coming, let's say, next uh, couple of weeks. And with that upper trough going negative, uh, possibly pushing a lot of moisture our way. So, uh, it, it, you know, think, keep that on the back of your mind over the next seven days as it turns nice and dry. And eventually by, you know, next week, uh, season, unseasonably mild because, we may have to pay for it, maybe by uh, the latter part. Well, we seem week. to be doing th we seem to be doing things this this year in big ways. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just we're pushing envelopes here on on uh, as far as certainly as far as rainfall is concerned. And if you take a look here on the uh, GFS, of course, you know there's your, the first wave goes out. Uh, the high still doesn't move out. So here we are on Friday into Saturday. And again, this is what I was talking about with the Carolinas because. You've got the onshore flow and the low city south of Jacksonville come Saturday afternoon, and then it moves on out uh, to the northeast. Actually, some pretty heavy precip into eastern North Carolina. That rain clips al almost identical to what's happening with this first wave, touches the southern part of the Delmarva Peninsula, and then uh, it passes offshore and moves on out to the east. And then finally, once that happens, that allows the high to drop down to the south, and then you start to get into a more west and maybe a southwest flow. There's a little front that goes by here on a Tuesday night. It doesn't have much weather with it, uh, and so there just probably will be some clouds. Uh, then we get a high that's building up uh, up along the St. Lawrence River. <clears throat> excuse me for the end of next week, and you can see the energy that's coming out of the north that comes into California. 
on uh, Tuesday, there's a, a storm that moves into Northern California. The whole low comes in uh, and produces um, heavy rains from San Francisco northward and heavy snows up in the Sierra Nevadas, and then eventually heavy snow up into Oregon and Idaho. Uh, that low winds up going up uh, into the Dakotas and dies out. A new low forms there in Kansas, and you get uh, a wave that goes up into the Great Lakes. And now, of course, you got this negatively tilted trough for next weekend, and here comes a low that comes out of the uh, uh, out of the eastern Gulf to the Florida Panhandle and runs right up the coast or just inland of the coast. And Joe, looks it kind of looks like what we just went through. It's like there's sort of this giant arm uh, that uh, not the nor'easter, but the second system, where the trough wound up opening up and going by to our west uh, with the low going there, and you get this giant arm of rain that lifts up northward. And there's, uh, you know, it's about an eight-hour period here from Saturday afternoon uh, into Sunday morning uh, with uh, heavy rains uh, going by and going into New England. And you can see snow there back on the northwest side in the eastern lakes and maybe some lake effect snows later next Sunday uh, and Sunday night in parts of the state New York. It's not a whole lot of cold air with this. Uh, so you see the patches of rain in there. And, of course, it's still only... This is what November 14th we're talking about. So um, it's not unusual to see pre uh, weather systems that aren't producing all snow in the Northeast or back in the Great Lakes this time of year. But it's a start. And there you can see it's a 971 low by the time uh, it gets up into Canada. Uh, and uh, that uh, looks like, uh, you know, windy and cold here, if that's the case, or certainly colder for uh, Sunday. Uh, and this is not this weekend, but we're talking next weekend, assuming that the models are correct with that kind of a deep trough and, you know, going into the longer range, who knows? Uh, I saw the chairman asked a question here after with another super chat hit, which is most appreciated, Scott, but I kind of lost that part of the chat board. Uh, but I remember what your question was with regards to the lack of snow. The lack oh, it. you do? Okay. The lack of I snow cover in Canada. Yeah. And, and whether that delays, I, I, my own opinion is yes. that the lack of snow cover is, is more of an issue for what I would call quality cold air. You know, not having the snow cover there is a, is a, is a, you know is a, is, a, is a problem to get some quality cold air to build. But I don't think that that stops a snowstorm from making because the atmosphere is cooling as it is. It's just that. You know, maybe the the air you know might take a week or two longer. I I don't know that it that it has any big impact on delaying, uh, but I think it does have some impact in terms of the temperatures because if you don't have cold air building up over over deep snow cover, well, you know, just exactly what are you going to get in terms of the quality of that cold air when it comes on down? And I don't I, and I and it might not be very much. And you don't really, Joe, as you are well aware. Uh, you could get a significant storm that uh, winds up and can actually manufacture its own cold air. And, yeah, uh, which is what I call. Well, I for, think that's. I think. I think that's what you're seeing here. This is. This is what I refer to as. What I've often referred to as do-it-yourself cold air, where the upper right. air cyclone deepens and you know that cold air mixes down and yeah, this is this is do-it-yourself cold air. Uh, and, and I think that's what you'll be playing with until you can get that snow cover uh, in Canada to build up. And in fact, since we were on the subject, 
I'll bring back, back the North America map. Why don't we take a look over the next 16 days, uh, total snowfall. I, you know, we don't really care specifically in terms of the numbers, uh, but uh, I, I just want uh, this is at least showing snowfall, and particularly in, in eastern, southeastern Canada, by the way. Um, uh, I'm sorry, eastern Canada. Actually, the snowfall in eastern Canada in the next two weeks, if the if the GFS is correct, is uh, fairly substantial. Uh, it's in many inches, and uh, also uh, in a strip up through central into uh, northwest Canada. Uh, significant snowfall. So this could be made up in a hurry. It, it, you get it gets to get into a cold, you get into the right pattern, you can put that snow cover down across North America in a big hurry. And I think, you know, if this were December, if this were December, I would be, you know, if there's snow lover in December, there's no snow cover in Canada, I would be concerned. Um, and the odd thing, Joe, is uh, that uh, if you uh, look back, and I was reading some pieces that the chairman had sent me with regards to this. Um, but if you uh, if you look back over the last 10 or 11 years, uh, this year is actually an anomaly because the uh, snow cover growth in Canada in the early part, in October and November, has been substantial in most of the last 10 or 12 years. So this is sort of the odd year where it doesn't seem to be happening. And a lot of people, when they think about snow in Canada, they're thinking about uh, the Northwest Territories or the Yukon area. And to tell you the truth, one location in Canada that gets hammered most every year with lots and lots and lots of snow is Labrador and Newfoundland. They, they get a ton of snow from offshore storms, new, uh, uh, nor'easters. They, they get a lot. So it's not necessarily that you have to go deep into the interior of Canada to see lots of uh, heavy-duty snow. You you can go uh, well not too far from here. You can you could you can get to Newfoundland uh, in a rather short interval of time, relatively speaking, even by car or Labrador. Uh, you know, take a car, maybe take a ferry. Uh, you know, it, it, if you want to see snow, a lot of it, uh, in the middle of the winter, you just go up there, and they'll they'll tell you uh, how, that they get a lot of snow. Yeah, or you could just even go to Tug Hill because they. I had a couple of people yeah. message message me about the fact that there's been some snow up there um, falling today. I got the uh, I, I just uh, just to bring up the snow cover 30 day animation over North America, and uh, you you, uh, you see how it, in the last few frames suddenly there is snow uh, in Labrador uh, showing up, and. Uh, uh, the um, the northernmost part of Canada, uh, seeing a little bit of a southern advancement. So I think we need to give it another week to see where this goes. Uh, but I'm thinking that we will see it increase. And uh, the snow and ice. This is kind of interesting because this is um, this is this is uh, this is a bit of a change. But uh, suddenly we're seeing ice cover growth over. You know, it was pretty absent uh, north of Greenland. And points east, but that the ice cover has actually increased considerably in the last uh, in, in the in the last uh, seven days or so. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's interesting. Let's see how far back this goes. Actually, this is a 30-day uh, this is a 30-day ice chart, uh, but we're seeing you know the ice increasing now on the eastern side as well as continuing to increase on the west.
on the western side and starting to surround the islands there that are between northern Greenland and the mainland of Canada. So the ice growth continues, and we might as well look at Siberia, which has been actually suddenly uh, going gangbusters after a subpar most of the month of October. And uh, this is, again, a 30-day loop. And now you're seeing how rapidly in the last week or so uh, the snow cover just you know balloons across Siberia uh, on, and points southward. Uh, not quite yet into uh, Eastern Europe, but getting there. So uh, a little late uh, with the Siberian snow cover. Usually it's the month of October that they, uh, uh, the people who pay attention to that sort of stuff uh, put an emphasis on, and uh, it was subpar, uh, but uh, we have years where, you know, that, that, that indicator, Joe, worked until everybody found out about it uh, around 2014, 15, and then it just kind of went its own way after that. It doesn't seem to be working quite as well. It, it got like 14 winters in a row correct, uh, and then it just sort of went kablooey, uh, and uh, it doesn't want to cooperate anymore. So what can you do? Well, I'm, I I figure it's it's time now for us to reveal or for me to reveal uh, something which uh, you've known about now for the last uh, several weeks. And in fact, I got a big chuckle. I think it was uh, in a recent uh, Driller Jeopardy where uh, the chairman said that it was for Driller Jeopardy for you. And he said that if you got eight out of 10 right, you'd get a free trip to Antarctica. And uh, we've been alluding to Antarctica for a good number of uh, days around here at Joe and Joe. But as it turns out, folks, on the chat board, um, I am going to Antarctica. At the, uh, it's it's going to happen at the end. And I'm taking the executive producer with me, Joe. So uh, you're going to be on your own for, 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 for a while. Although I am going to attempt to, to do uh, – to, 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 possibly do a Joe and Joe from here, uh, not from here, but from, from the bottom of the world. That would be something really, if, if we can pull that off to, uh, to do, to do one with you up in uh, Georgia and me down uh, in uh, the land of the ice, so to speak. Right. Well, we're going to try. We will definitely try to do it. And hopefully we can pull it off. And of course, then, I hope so too, because we will be, then we'll be, We'll be the first weathercasters in probably in the, in, I don't know, I can't say for sure, but in my recollection, I don't, I, uh, I, I don't know that anybody in the Northeast has ever done uh, a live shot from Antarctica. I tell you what, I, th I think if we can manage to pull this off and maybe more than once that we ought to save those particular shows. And if it comes out all right, maybe we might even, uh, knock on the door of the uh, the academy and say hey you want to consider this for an emmy that's that that might be worthwhile let me just quickly uh explain how this all happened uh a few months ago i'm sitting here by my lonesome doing my normal freelance writing and i get an email from one of the uh, people at the american astronomical society and uh, he's alluding to a total eclipse of the sun which is going to go across antarctica on december the 4th and he, uh, he asked, he said, are you going? I said, what are you, crazy? I'm not going to go. That's, that's Antarctica, for goodness sake. He said, well, here's something that may change your mind. There is a cruise line in France, and they are going to have a cruise 
to Antarctica to see the total eclipse. On board, the, the cruise, the, the ship is only going to hold about 200, maybe 250 people. Let's round it off and say 200. 150 of those people are going to be French. And they're going to have as their leader, uh, Sergei Brunier, who I guess you could say is kind of like the Carl Sagan of France, well-regarded, highly regarded uh, popularizer of astronomy in Europe and in France in, in particular. He's going to be their guide on this, uh, on this trip. He said, but we got 50 people who speak only English. They don't know anything about French. They, they don't speak French. Um, so they're going to need somebody to guide them, somebody who knows something about eclipses and astronomy in general. What we're saying is we need, or the cruise line needs, an English-speaking science liaison. And he said, if you're interested, we can, we can get you on board that, that cruise. And I thought about that, and I said, well, uh, is it possible if I can bring my better half with me to keep me company for two weeks uh, while I'm on this, this ship? And they said, sure, fine. And so I would, I would never, ever be able to afford what they have offered in terms of the, the flight down. First, we've got to go down to South America to Santiago, Chile. Da, 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 to Santiago, Chile. We got to go to Santiago. And then from Santiago, we have to fly down to Punta Arenas, Chile. This is at the very bottom of South America. That's where the ship is going to take off from on November 30th. Then we will sail from there into the Weddell Sea. I, I have done some research, Joe. The Weddell Sea is the freshest, cleanest body of water in the world. And it's covered by ice, but this is like an icebreaker. We're going to sail in. Hopefully, we'll be able to position ourselves in the total eclipse path, see the total eclipse, which is doubtful because the weather down in Antarctica at this time of the year is lousy, but we'll do our best. And then after that, from the 4th of December to the 15th, we're just going to be sailing around Antarctica. And I, I figure this is going to be great. We'll get a close-up view of, you know, penguins, the wildlife of Antarctica, the, uh, the calving maybe of icebergs, the look of uh, we'll have science advisors there who have done this before, and we'll talk about global warming and climate change or whatever like that. I think it's going to be a fabulous, uh, very adventurous trip. And I'm so happy to them that I was asked. I, I'm so, uh, you know, uh, honored that, oh, they, it's great. that they thought of me to go to go down there to, to do this. And uh, so we'll be down there. And hopefully if the Internet is working, I'd love to do, uh, you know, some shows with you down there. And, uh, oh, well, no, you're, you're, yeah, if, if, you, if you get a signal, we are we, we are doing this. Uh, we are doing. We this. are doing this. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the Weddell Seal, by the way, the Weddell Seal uh, is a small seal that uh, lives uh, generally under the ice the, during the winter time and has to use its teeth to to open holes so it's able to breathe, uh, and also to occasionally escape a leopard seal who might want to eat it for lunch or an orca. Uh, but the Weddell yeah. Seal actually doesn't have a long life span because of the fact that since it's using its teeth to be able to breathe, to, to car, you know, to, to break, to carve out the ice, to get a hole in there, uh, uh, the, uh, that wears down their teeth. And after a while they can't catch any fish and they can't eat. So they, and latex they, dreams, 
Latex Dreams brings up on the chat board. You're absolutely right, by the way, about the Weddell Sea. And, you know, they're the emperor penguins right. down there. I've never, supposedly, supposedly the, the penguins come right up to you. They have no fear of, of, of humans. So, you know, it's quite possible. And I keep thinking about that cartoon with Playboy the Penguin with, with Bugs Bunny. Right. You know, I'd love to be able to take a – I'd love to bring a little top hat along with me and put one on the – on one of the penguins and take a picture of right. That. The days are six months long here. That means I don't have to be back to work until October 1954. Well, December the 8th, <laughs> and I've worked this out for, for the cruise company, but on December the 8th, we will have 24 hours of daylight. We're going to go south of the Antarctic Circle, and presumably we will truly be then in the land of the midnight sun. It only lasts for about a day, but for about one day, we'll have perpetual daylight, 24 hours, and then you know, we'll we'll see the daylight increase from Punta Arenas from like 15 or 16 hours all the way to 24 on December the 8th. And then we'll turn around and come back and the daylight will again shrink. But we'll we'll probably not see very many night sky attractions. But I do want to I do want to recognize one thing that was put up on the chat board by somebody on the chat board uh, who asked about uh, um, sick being seasick or whatever. <clears throat> I'm trying to find, oh yeah, Latex Dreams. Latex Dreams says seasick? Well, let me tell you something, uh, Latex and everybody else. This is the part of the, this expedition which I am not looking forward to. We are going to be traveling not once, but twice through the Drake Passage. You could look this up on Wikipedia or you could look it up somewhere on the online what the Drake Passage is all about. This is the roughest sea the one that is feared by navigators, mariners, and uh, <laughs> tourists who have gone through there. Uh, it, it reminds me, Joe, I'll be thinking all through that, that passage of, um, of the uh, wreck of the of – the, uh, of the, uh, the wreck uh, of the Hesperus. No, not the wreck of the Hesperus. The wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, Edmund Fitzgerald. Or also that scene from The Perfect Storm where they're, the, you know, they're going up and they're going down or whatever. Let's put it this way. Fred Mertz would not like to be on this <laughs> ship when we're going through the Great Passage. And uh, I am told that uh, during that time, they likely will be handing out Dramamine as if it were M&Ms. Um, and one, the, the guy from the AAS, the uh, American Astronomical Society, uh, Rick Feinberg, I mentioned this to Rick. I said, but the Great Passage, he said, hey, look, you feel lousy. You'll feel miserable for a day or two. But look, look what else you have a chance to see. Yeah. You know, one day you may be surrounded by 100,000 penguins. You may see wildlife. Maybe you just might see the eclipse if it's not too cloudy. So it's it's an intriguing thing. And uh, so Renata and I are going to be going. And uh, uh, like I said, we'll be filing. Rep we, we hope to be filing reports as uh, if we get any signal, we'll be getting them up to you. Awesome. We are. This is good. That is going to be it is going to be great if we can pull this off. So keep your fingers crossed, everybody. I uh, just wanted to uh, yeah. <clears throat> just bring up one more chart, and uh, thanks to Flood Weather, who's been feeding me. All right, that didn't work for some reason. All right, hang on one second. Let me see if I can. Uh, okay. Nope, that's not working. Uh, nope, that's not working. Right, hang on, Technology folks. I, I know. I, I have the EPO. I want to show everybody the EPO, uh, but we're going to have to do it this way. 
I was trying to make it bigger and apparently I can't, uh, I wasn't able to pull it up on the, on OBS. So let me try it this way. And here's, um, here's a look at the East Pacific oscillation, which is like the NAO, except it's in the East Pacific. And uh, you'll see, now I can't read the dates. The print is too small, you know, so that's, that's a problem. Uh, but, uh, this is, I think every one of these lines is is about two days worth. And you'll notice that uh, we're going positive again, which would be for, you know, early in the middle part of next week. And then it goes negative, a little bit back bounce to neutral. And then it actually goes strongly negative uh, late, later, late this month. And that kind of matches up with what I saw in the ensembles yesterday that I wrote about uh, a long range piece that I wrote yesterday on my uh, weather platform on Patreon. Uh, that um, you know, it looked like it looked like the models were getting bullish for a colder second half of the month of November, particularly the last ten days, uh, if if that holds true. So, anyway, the EPO is a is a little more supportive, certainly uh, as you get toward the latter part of the forecast period in the long range. And the question is, uh, it, when it gets there, will it stay there? Because of all the teleconnections, as I have said many times. Of all the teleconnections, that's the one where you want to pay the most attention to um, with regards to uh, cold. Uh, I'd rather have the NAO not a factor at all. If, if you've got a negative EPO, you're going to have cold air, and then you can take your chances with the with the with storm systems uh, as they go by. So, anyhow, just wanted to show that, and a big thanks to uh, Flood Weather for that. And now we can do a little Briller Jeopardy. Are you ready, Mr. Rayo? Yes, I am. I'm sure the folks on the chat board will play along. Now, this is a little, this is a uh, a top 10 television shows as ranked by TV Guide, okay? Now, so this is not necessarily shows that might have been highly rated, uh, but um, this is their top 10 list, and it's not, it also includes stuff that may have not been in prime time. Okay. Well, you you can have a, you can have a top show again and not necessarily be in prime time. Yeah. Now this is TV guides list. I agree right. with some, I agree with a couple of the ones that are on the list. I then disagree a little bit with some of the others, but um, anyhow, uh, these are the top 10 shows, according to TV Guide. Uh, uh, it comes out of a list of the top 50 shows of all uh, three, and you don't even have to guess the show, Joe, all right? You don't even have to guess the show. You just have to guess the year the show debuted. Okay, and, and if uh, you know the margin of error of three years, and uh, Mr. Briller is generously providing another ant uh, another trip to Antarctica, uh, if you can pull this off. <laughs> okay, so let's make uh, <clears throat> let's make believe that I've already I've already gone through this contest and I've I've won the prize. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Um, and before you start, before you start, one more one last thing, Joe. I just sent you via messenger uh, the uh, URL of uh, 
the, the uh, biographies of both myself and also uh, Sergei uh, Bernier, okay. so that people can actually see and 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 see more information about this uh, this uh, trip. You know, did, I may not did, did you, I'm sorry. Did you say you emailed them to me? I no, I sent them on, on Facebook Messenger. All right, I'm gonna pro I'm gonna get a link that's like five thousand miles long. So if you email, it'd be better if you emailed it to me. Okay, I'll okay. do that. And meanwhile, I'll take the first question. Okay, yeah. so uh, I'll start from number ten at the bottom of the list and go work our way to number one. So number ten is the show Bonanza. They're actually words. They actually sang the the words that song. I think in the first episode, and after they did, the producer said, um, "No, no." <laughs> How about 1958? Oh, very good. 1959. Lovely. Okay. No, the next show, the number nine on this list is da 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 da. Bewitched. Bewitched, yes. Bewitched. And um, I would say that that show started, I know it started in black and white. That's yes. the key. It's, a lot of stations still did not have color. Well, NBC did, but two, uh, a, 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 CBS and ABC were a bit behind. 1964. Very good. 1964 is correct. Uh, Lovely. Next number eight is Rockford Files. Oh God, that's a that's a yeah. Rockford Files. Ah, uh, 19. I'll say 1970. 74. On the nose. On the nose. Number seven is Playhouse 90. Well, that goes back to the 50s. Um, uh, 19, I'll say 1950, 55 or 56. I'm going to, I'll take a, I, I'll say 55. You should have said 56. Ah, you would have hit that ah, one on the nose, too. All right. next. Ah, now, the next one, I don't remember. Um, it was called a show called Invaders. That I have probably no, came I, out during the era, during the era of the Outer Limits or whatever. Yeah, I have the no invaders. recollection of Invaders. I'll take a wild shot in the dark and say 19... 63. Ah, you should have said 64, because then you would have been in, in the margin of error at 67. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> number five is your show of shows. Oh, it's Sid Caesar and... Imogene oh, Coco. Imogene Coca, and yeah. Fifth, 1950... God, I... I there. 1950 is the correct answer on the nose. Very good, Joe. Number five is you, 1950. You, that, say the I sacred word and win $100. 1950. Next show. Really? Oh. <laughs> Next one is uh, uh, number four is Donahue. 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 
1968. Close enough, 67. Uh, number three, Nightline with Ted Koppel. That began right after uh, the uh, hostage taking in 1979. Probably, I think, no. November November of 1979. Uh, 1980. But say, that's what it said, 1980. All right. There's a disclaimer there. They started in 79 as as something else. Right. They and then they probably, we talk, they probably they titled it Nightline. It Nightline. Okay. Yes. 1980. Uh, that was number three. Number two, this is today on NBC. 19, that was with um, Dave Garraway. Garraway. And uh, 19... Uh, what year? In early, it was in the early 1950s. I'll say 19, 1951. Uh, 1952 for the Today Show. And uh, number one on this list is Late Show with David Letterman. Oh well, that started in uh, that started in uh, 1981, I think. Uh, 1982. Two. 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 I when I worked at NBC at the time on the Today Show, I used to see occasionally I would see David Letterman walking the halls. Wow. He always had this like when he was he was like this somber look to him. You know, when he was in, you know, when he was in the halls, going wherever he was going, being himself. Now, sometimes you have this illusion that when you see this idea that when you see people on television, they're like that in real life. Well, they're not, you know, they, they're not their They're not their character that you see on TV. And then when right. they're, when they, you know, they are real people. They do go to the bathroom like everybody else. So... Anyhow. And you know why I said 81? He had a brief, in 1980 or 81, he had a, a daytime Daytime. Show, That's when I used to see him before he went to, when, yeah. before he went to nights. Yeah. Right. So, right. And before he went to CBS. This was CBS, yeah. the Can't Be Serious Network. Um, there's a very funny, there's a very funny, there's a very funny clip that you can see on YouTube where Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show is talking to Letterman, sitting in the couch. He says, so what's going to do? What's, what's new? What's going on? And this is after he found out he was not getting the Tonight Show, that it was going to go to Jay Leno. And Letterman says, oh, nothing much. Just drop the uh, tape over to CBS and uh, <laughs> that's it. <you> know? <laughs> exactly. All right. So for those of you, here's the link on the chat board, folks, if you want some more information on uh, what Joe Rayo is doing uh, uh, on this uh, trip to Antarctica. And yes, we will... If, if we can manage it, we will be doing it live. So I will be, you know, at the mercy of Joe's schedule at that point. So we could punch this show up live at any time. Uh, so uh, you when realize, of course, you should realize that 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, which we will be on, is going to be equivalent to 9.30 where I am on the ship because they observe chilly summer time. Ah. Uh, and so we will be. So where I will be will be 9.30 as opposed to 7.30 for you. All right. Well, you know what? We'll talk about this some more, and we'll we will definitely figure this one out. So yes. anyway, uh, okay. So uh, thank you, everybody. For those of you uh, who hit Super Chat, 
thank you so much. Uh, most appreciated on this Joe and Joe Appreciation Day uh, to the chairman for <clears throat> all the things he does with the uh, Brewer Jeopardy and uh, all the information that he <clears throat> gets to me. Uh, it's always interesting and fascinating and happy to share it with everybody else. And of course, thanks to everybody on the chat board because then um, everybody who watches this show, because without you, well, then, you know, it would be a little boring because we would know who we're talking to. And it's nice to know that we have an audience and we know the people that we're talking to. And that's that's a big plus. And thank you for being loyal and being here every night. Uh, I'm not I got nothing planned tomorrow. So if you want to do a show tomorrow night, I'm I'm good with it. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, because we were off two days, weren't we? Yeah, that's so we up could to do you. A, we could do, we could do a show tomorrow night. I don't okay, care. we'll do it tomorrow night at seven thirty. So special Friday, Joe and Joe weather show tomorrow night at seven thirty to make up for the last two days when we didn't have a Joe and Joe weather show. So that's I right. am gonna, I am going to go to bed because I'm not. I've actually, you know, I've been feeling run down all day, and I need a good night's sleep. So I'm going straight to bed. JJ's already there, fast asleep. So that's where I'm headed. Okay. Ninety-nine, right. everybody. Well, Ninety-nine, folks.